0: Thank you, Aaron. It is a good day to be together um, as the people of God and to be in this place. I hope you are enjoying just the fellowship and new faces and seeing people's faces today as we celebrate Father's Day, but we also celebrate being in God's house together. And for those of you guys that are watching and part of the family that are watching online uh, or are going to watch a little bit later this week a recording, you're no less a part of this body. Because God has called us to be a people. We're going to continue this morning on our sermon series looking at what does it mean to be a biblical church. The last two Sundays we began this series um, and it's extremely important for us as Valley Baptist Church looks to the future. Making big decisions about who God has called us to be. And when we say decisions, we're really talking about discernment. Trying to discover God's will. Being with you guys now six months, I've watched as more and more of you keep saying, we just want what the Lord wants. We want what the Lord wants. We want what the Lord wants. We sang the song, Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. Lord, have your way in me. It's not just a song this morning. It's really the prayer of our congregation, of this church to say, Lord, have your way. So let's pray together as we look into his word this morning about the third characteristic of a biblical church. Father, we do ask that you would have your way. We thank you for how you are at work in our biological families, and we thank you for fathers. Lord, we thank you for how you are at work um, in this congregation, and you are moving in our midst. Lord, continue to grow the excitement, continue to expand our hearts, and our love so that we might discern what is best as we seek to follow you. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, just in case you need a recap, last two weeks we talked first about that the first essential of a biblical church is that we are, what, confessional. Right? It means we believe something. We specifically believe that Jesus is Lord, that he died on the cross for our sins, that three days later he rose victorious to give us eternal life, that Jesus is our Lord and he has given us everything we need for life and for godliness. Last week we talked about being a spiritual people, that as believers in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes into our life as the deposit, guaranteeing our inheritance, but also equips us spiritually that every one of you who is a believer in Jesus Christ, you have spiritual gifts. Maybe one gift, maybe multiple gifts, but gifts to use within the body of Jesus. Walking down the hall this morning, just this morning, my wife was like, who's that singing? Now, Josh has been extremely gifted, but thank you, Amy, for joining in. She's just using her gifts. It, it, it just made the sound fuller, right? I mean, sorry, Josh, but you, 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 you're, you're great, buddy. I, I appreciate it. Josh has given us six months of his time, and we, we, I am so thankful for him. Uh, but the sound was fuller, just adding that second voice. Amy's just using her gift. Small example. Some of you have already taken on the nursery and coordinating that again. Greeters. We've had greeters and deacons again. Uh, not deacons, but greeters again. Uh, welcoming people in. God is going to bring back more and more of his body. If we are his body, if we are his church, the spiritual gifts will be here. Okay, that's last week, and we don't have time to repreach that sermon. It's online, however. Okay, today we're looking at a communal people. A communal people. What does that mean? Well, as we talked about last week, it's not just a group of Christians that have spiritual gifts. But it's a group of Christians that are specifically put together to love each other and serve one another in a specific body. That calls us not to be just a team or a business or an institution, but so much more than that. Look at what Romans 12 tells us. So in Christ, though we who are many form one body and each member Belongs to all the others. Do you hear that phrase? Belongs to one another. That in a specific local church, we end up having sort of a, a marriage, a wedding, a, a brought into the family where you are now part of my family, I am now part of yours. That's what it means to be a family. Be part of the kingdom. I grew up as an only child. I don't know, uh, you know, you've heard me talk about my brothers. Well, actually, it was about the time when I was about 15 years old that all of a sudden I went from being 15 years as an only child where everything, all the stuff that's mine is mine and what yours is probably ought to be mine. I mean, we kind of end up being a little selfish. To my two brothers came into my life overnight. It was one week we heard about these two young children and the next week they were living in my home. I had two brothers. Now, about two weeks later, it was a private adoption. It was very fast. About two weeks later, they were, we were standing before a judge, and yep, okay, everybody's okay, good, you're all... And it was a permanent deal. I now have two brothers in my life. They are my brothers. Uh, they're the only brothers I've got. They're not more or less my brothers than anybody. You know, If they had been born to my mother, they, are, they became part of my family. That's the picture, right? That all of a sudden we are put together and we belong to each other. Do you remember we tried to teach this as our ch- to our children? Do you remember the little thing with our, our, here's the church. Okay, let me see if I can do it. Yeah, you remember, you put your fingers like all kind of weird. It's, here's the church. Oh, thank you. Somebody put a slide to help me. Here's the church. Here's the steeple. We put the steeple up. Open the doors and there's all the people. You know there's something wrong with that, right? This isn't the church. This was always the church. The building is not the church. Buildings come and go. The people of God in 586 B.C., the Babylonians came and destroyed the temple. But they didn't destroy the people of God. This, the people of God, is us. We are the the, the people. We are the church. We are wed together as a body. Look at what the Apostle Paul reminds us in Galatians chapter 6. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, but especially those who belong to the, and there's the metaphor, the family of believers. The family of believers. As Christians, we are called to show the God's love all day long to everyone we meet, everyone we see, but especially, he says, to the family of believers. So it's, yes, I should be kind to everyone, but shouldn't I especially be kind to my church family? Obviously, I need to be generous to everyone, but especially when I know of needs. That's why we take time every Sunday to pray for specific needs in our congregation. Specific needs, people that maybe we need to make a meal for and this congregation, how I've heard, we do a, and have observed, you all do a good job, a great job, of really taking care of each other when there's needs. You really do act like a family. And we celebrate that. I think we ought to give it a smiley face. Look at this next slide. The church is family. I think we do a good job at that. And can I just... You know, give you a little you know a plus. Uh, if I was grade, I don't have anybody to grade this summer, I don't have any classes. I gotta you know, okay, you guys get an A on caring for, serving one another. But when we think about family, we have to think about this too. The next slide. Sometimes when we think of family, we have other pictures of our families. Do you all have other pictures of your family? If I'm going to be confessional, I like not confessional as a confessional people, but if I'm going to be transparent, the biggest fights I've ever had with my family. I mean, the most hateful, mean things I've ever said in my life were probably to my wife. Sorry, Vicki, I'm so sorry. It was always my fault. It always. You know it too, Right. I remember as a teenager, we did a, a, a discipleship book when I was a youth, and it said the true test of your Christian faith, how you treat your family. And I was like, "Well, I'm an only child. I'm <laughs> But then I had to think about it: is no, how do I treat my parents? All of a sudden, we realize that as a church family, that metaphor is beautiful as we take care and serve one another but sometimes we become so comfortable with each other, we become so much family, that we can actually be a little bit like meaner to each other in this place than we would be to strangers or to co-workers or to neighbors. Brothers and sisters, let us love everybody, but especially those who belong to the family of believers. So, look at... A reminder of what we studied a few weeks, about a month or two ago. When we looked at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, Paul says, Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write you. For you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. And that's the truth. The people in this church, you know to love one another. But listen to verse 10. For indeed, that is what you're doing to the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do this, and here's the phrase, more and more. More and more. Would you listen just for the next few minutes as I give you three ways that I want to encourage us, as a congregation, to love each other more and more. More and more. First, we need to love each other with more connection. More connection. What do we mean? Well, in this time of COVID, we've been separated. It's good to see you guys. Some of you I haven't met in person yet. I've only seen you on Zoom meetings, so it's like, hey. Uh, uh, For Alex and Sarah, it's good to see you all back, or others. We need to see each other more. Now, whether that's on Zoom or whether that's in a Bible Zoom, I mean, it's travel time. Everybody's gone. But I am excited when we get to see each other. There are some opportunities that are coming that I want to encourage you all more and more to be here. One of those places is we've got a women's and men's Bible study. For those of us that aren't working during the day, 930. Not this Wednesday, but on the 30th. That's right, Susan? Yeah, Susan's i got to always make sure. Um, women's and men's Bible studies. We're going to be here in the church. If you want to come join us, if you're not working at that time, come and join us. But starting in July, every Sunday after church, we're going to have our Bible study time together. Now, we're also going to have an online experience for those who can't come, uh, because some of us can't be here physically. Uh, We want to make sure everybody's studying together. What does it mean to be God's people? Look at what it says in the description of the early church in Acts chapter 2. See, I got your attention. I don't know. You are already listening. Acts chapter 2. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Those of you who all we have been, we've been gathering online, those of you that are now gathering in person, as we meet together, I don't think we can do it every day, but we need to meet together. We need to be together. If we're going to be that family that God has called us to be, we need to be in each other's presence. That doesn't mean you can't go on vacation. We all need vacations. That doesn't mean we don't miss some weeks. That doesn't mean we don't travel. Of course we do. And absolutely, there's grace that covers God's lives. But here's what I want to say. When I can, I want to be here because I want to see you. Sometimes it's my only chance to talk to you all week long. Look at what the writer of Hebrews tells us in Hebrews chapter 10. It says, And let us consider how we might spur one another towards love and good deeds. I need to be in your presence to hear that coaching. I need to have that encouragement. He says, verse 25, Not giving up the meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Okay. Okay. I'm letting you in the window of my life, so, you know, you'll maybe let me in the window of yours at times. There are some Sundays that I don't actually want to get up and go to church. I'm sorry, some Sundays I'm just like, you know, it kind of feels nice. It's raining outside. The bed is comfortable and warm. I'm thinking, this is one of those ones that, you know, and then my wife is like, yeah, but you're preaching. And I'm like, yeah, okay. (laughs) I I know, I got to go. Okay, for all of us. There's like just always those like, well, if I could just skip this week or skip that week. And there are certainly those reasons that we really need to be home. I mean, illness, sickness, uh, being with our families, doing some other things. But don't let us give up the habit of of being together. We need to, when we can, uh, just try to be, whether it's online or in person, we just need that encouragement, that spurring one another on to life and good works. Because every time I come to church, and maybe it's just because I'm an extrovert, but every time I come, I'm encouraged. Even on those days I'm like, oh, but I could just stay in bed. When I get here, when I see the people, when we're together, I'm encouraged. We spur one another to good works. It reminds me not to be stay captive to sin, not to just live my life for my own, but to live my life for that calling that we have as believers in Jesus Christ. As we come out of COVID, as our infection rates are down, let's seek ways that we can be together. Even if it's inviting people to your home for a dinner or meeting somewhere in a park, but let's seek ways to be together this summer. Number two, I really want to encourage you uh, to have more compassion more compassion. Now, you already do. That's what I'm saying. You guys got an A for this. You tend to love one another. But look at what the scripture says. Um, And Phil read this even from 1 John this morning, that there shouldn't be needy people among us. It says uh, that there were no needy persons in the Acts. For early first century church. It says from time to time those who owned land or houses sold them and brought money from the sales and put at the apostles' feet and and it was distributed to everyone as they had need. Okay, am I advocating some kind of Christian communism and we're all going to get our bank statements out and see who's the richest and uh, who wants to share? No, that is not what we need to do. Actually, that's not good for God's people. We need to learn to basically take care of the responsibilities that God has given each of us. But we also need to be humble enough to share when there are real needs. If there's a place and we have gone through a pandemic and it did not hit evenly, some people uh, certainly lost jobs and careers, and we as a Christian family, we need to know who is in need, who are those that really could uh, benefit from our assistance. And look out and be willing to share Sometimes as believers, we're a little too quick to say, this is mine and this is not mine. One of the places that I was challenged, even in high school, I really prayed that God would help me get my driver's license. And I told the Lord, Lord, <clears throat> if you help me get my driver's license, the car, it's yours. If you need me to, like, drive people to church, and I mean, I'll do it. The Lord has a way of holding us to those things. There was a young man, he played. He was on the soccer team with me and, and played and we, and we were kind of getting friends and he ended up kind of, we were talking about church and he wanted to go. He ended up coming to a Bible study and he gave his life to Jesus. I was so excited. He didn't have a car. He wanted to come to church. Now, that was back when we had church on Sunday mornings and then we had, you know, youth group and stuff on Sunday afternoons, Sunday evenings, and then we also had Wednesday night. Remember that? He lived 20 minutes that way. And the church was 20 minutes that way. So for me, it was 20 minutes that way, then 20 minutes that way, then 20 minutes that way, then 20 minutes that way, and 20 minutes that way every single time. It was the extra hour every twice on Sundays and once on Wednesdays. And I was like, mm-hmm. and i, and I, I was like, I got to find a different way. i got to give this up. And then it was like that Holy Spirit reminded me, you know, um, you said that it's mine. Do we hold our possessions loosely? Because, you know, now I'm older. Now it's not my parents' car. Now it's my car. (laughs) Now it's my gas. Now it's my. Am I still holding on to it like that? Or is it like, Lord, what do you, you know, what do I need to do? It really belongs to you. How are we taking care of one another? Whether it's providing meals, whether it's providing some funds, whether it's providing some extra work, some yard work or something to help our brothers and sisters who may be in need. If you pray, Lord, (laughs) open my eyes, be ready to open your eyes and maybe your wallets as well to the needs of those around us. In Philippians chapter 2, the apostle Paul says, showing us like Jesus, he says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others or consider others above yourselves, not looking out only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Finally today, I want to challenge you to be have more consideration, more consideration. In Luke chapter 6, Jesus gives us that golden rule. Just do unto others as you would have them do unto you. What do I mean by more consideration? Well, here's the place where that interim pastor type person is supposed to do you a little bit of challenging for you. So get ready, you know, toughen up a little bit. Don't, I'm not mad or you're not mad. We're just being honest here for a second. <clears throat> Sometimes... We've been a little bit focused on ourselves and not thinking about how our statements or what we do impact others. Sometimes we've been a little bit too insistent on our ways and the way we've talked as we've moved through this difficult time of do we wear masks, do we not wear masks, do we, how do we deal with the sanctuary, how do we, there's been some issues and it's caused friction. You guys have felt it, right? We've all been there because it's been like one of the worst years ever. <laughs> I think it's strained all of us. But sometimes, as we move forward as a congregation, we're going to need to be quiet. Like, with our own preferences. Like, gosh, I don't know if I like those tunes. Josh probably doesn't need to hear that. <laughs> you know? Or, boy, I sure wish we had... Well, More chocolate donuts. (laughs) Um, Donuts, even donuts would be good. (laughs) I found some in there. They were delicious. And then someone told me, oh, those were left over from, oh, man. (laughs) Okay. um, uh, Maybe we need to keep some of our preferences to ourselves. In Romans 14, it says, so whatever you believe about these matters, keep between yourself and God. He's talking about those disputable matters. You know, the things that don't really, really matter. They're the things that do matter. But sometimes just, maybe we could just, Bite our tongues. Keep it quiet. My mom always used to say, if you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. Maybe sometimes amongst the believers as we move forward, we could just be considerate knowing that well, other people have some opinions and that may not be the place that we need to talk. But here's the flip side to that. Sometimes we actually need to do the opposite and we need to speak truth sometimes we need to speak truth. Look what it says also in Romans 14. Let us make every effort to lead what is to peace and to mutual edification. I think sometimes right now, Valley Baptist Church, we're not having those harder conversations with each other about challenging one another to grow in the Lord. How are we walking in the Lord? How has God got control in your heart? I've been so appreciative. So many of you all have taken time to meet with me and we've been talking but. You've been pretty open and honest and have encouraged me in my walk with Jesus and we've gotten to encourage you and I think it's been a good time of sharing and mutual edification and building each other up. But here's truth. All of us get into ruts. You know I'm talking about ruts. Well, yeah, I read my Bible every, every night. Have you tried to do it first thing and spend time with God first thing in the morning? When someone challenged me with that, I was like, Come on, man, leave me alone. <laughs> I'm already reading my Bible. That's more than most people do. I'm better than... But he was right. I wasn't seeking God first anymore, and I needed that challenge in my life. Now, I'm not saying, okay, everybody, let's go and confront one another. <laughs> well, we, we, don't need to, we don't need a ministry of discouragement, okay? But we do need to build one another up. Are we in each other's lives in ways that say, hey, how are you planning to give to missions this year? How are you using your spiritual gifts this year? What are you laying down on the altar this year? I think the Lord is at work in this place. Do you sense it? I think God is calling us to this time of knowing him deeper and a deeper time of surrender. So my encouragement to you is to continue to walk and be that family that does more love to one another. Do so more and more, being considerate, being compassionate, being truly those that are concerned about one another. So the question we leave you with this morning is, how is God calling you to be more surrendered, to be more a part of this body using your gifts, loving one another more deeply? He's given me some ideas, even this morning, about what I need to do to serve those uh, who are are hurting right now in our body. But there's another question. In John chapter 1, the Apostle John is writing about Jesus. And he says, yet to all who did receive Jesus, who put their faith in Jesus, to those who believed in his name, God gave the right to become children. You see, the question that we all have to ask ourselves is, are you actually part of the body? I'm not asking if you're a church member. For some of you, that might be a question. Would you like to be a church member? <laughs> but the question really is, are you part of the body of Christ because you've said yes to Jesus? Maybe that's someone listening online. Maybe it's one of the youth that are listening today. Maybe it's one of the, you've been here a long, long time but you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord. It begins there. It always begins there. So how are you going to answer that question? Have you become part of the body of Christ by saying yes to Jesus? And how about your family? Are there those that don't know Jesus yet? So this morning I would invite you, um, as we close in our worship service, uh, we're going to sing a couple songs. But before we do, would you... uh, Consider God's call in your life, but would you pray for those who you know in your family that don't yet know Jesus Christ and might not be part of that eternal family that God is calling them to? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you are our Father, that you have brought us into your family through the blood of your Son, Jesus. Lord, we ask that You would take this moment and bring conviction into the hearts of our loved ones and our biological families that don't know You. Would You continue to draw and work on their, on their minds and their hearts? Would You soften them uh, to, uh, your, uh, to Your uh, calling in their lives and their need of a Savior? God, we ask that You would open our eyes To show us how we could love one another in this body more and more. We pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen.